This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Ashley. And I'm Lacey, and this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in Wisconsin discussing one teenage boy's 43 hours in hell. Then we'll talk about a domestic violence survival story. So buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the Badger State. For most of us, sounds are a big part of our everyday lives. Sound also tends to stir something inside of us. Sometimes that's good, and sometimes that's not so good. Think of a song you hear on the radio that takes you back to a very specific time in your life. Or maybe it reminds you of a person. This can make us feel happy, nostalgic, sad, and even angry. Some sounds are relaxing, like gentle waves crashing against the shore or wind chimes softly ringing on a spring day. When we hear calming sounds, our heart rate lowers, our breathing slows down, and our muscles relax. On the other hand, there are plenty of sounds that negatively affect us. When we hear unpleasant sounds, the auditory cortex and the amygdala interact more intensely and process the negative emotions. This may cause a sensation of revulsion at a sound. Think of nails scraping across a chalkboard, a car squealing, or a baby crying. Some of us, myself included, hate certain sounds that most people don't pay attention to. For me, it's when someone is smacking when they're eating or if they're popping their gum. If I hear a repetitive noise, like a tapping pen, just forget it. That's called misophonia, and it literally translates to the hatred of sounds. Now, what do we call it when someone loves a sound that makes most people wince in disgust? Well, I couldn't find that anywhere on Google. Today, I'll be talking about someone with a very bizarre and downright disturbing sound of choice. The sound of bones breaking. So, I have a pretty disturbing one for you today. Just that intro has me Yeah, well, my, my sister-in-law asked me if I had heard about the Baraboo Bone Breaker. And I'm like, what? No. You haven't either? Mm-mm. Have you ever broken a bone? Yeah, my left arm when I was five. I have... Well, I broke my tailbone once whenever I snuck out of my house, but... (gasps) Oh, no. I mean, it's got to be super painful. Yeah, I don't remember the sound, but it was extremely painful. I'm sorry. Continue. Luckily, I haven't broken a bone... Knock on wood. ...in a long time. Yeah, knock on wood. So, Baraboo is a small city in southwestern Wisconsin, and it's the home to the Circus World Museum and former headquarters of the Ringling Brothers Circus. Immediate now. Yeah, I'm not a big circus fan, Mm -hmm. so... On July 29th, 1995, a 13-year-old boy by the name of Thaddeus Phillips, who went by Thad, was sleeping on the couch of his new house in Baraboo. He was picked up off the couch, and Thad assumed it was one of his parents, you know, taking him Mm -hmm. to bed. When he didn't get placed in a comfortable bed, he woke up. He was outside and not with his parents. 
there was another teenage boy there, and he asked if Thad could run with him. Can you imagine what a weird situation this would be? Thad didn't know the boy. He was tired and super confused. The boy took him back to his home. Thad went, using the word willingly isn't appropriate. He didn't force him, but he persuaded him. And Thad's kind of like, okay, whatever. And he was tired, confused, you know. He said he lived at the house with his brother. Once they got there, the boy introduced himself as Joe. And he said he was going to throw a party. He said some other boys would be there soon, and some that Thad knew. He threw out some names of Thad's friends. So Thad was tired and still confused, so when Joe asked if he wanted to check out some cool model cars upstairs, he said yes. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Once they were both upstairs, things took a terrible turn. Joe threw Thad onto his dirty bed and reached for Thad's ankle. Lacey. Yeah. He twisted Thad's foot around his leg until the bone above the ankle snapped. Oh yeah. my god. Thad is a 90-pound 13-year-old boy. This is awful. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you'd have to be pretty strong to do this, but maybe not. I've never tried to break anyone's bones before, so if I you don't... have, don't tell me. Ugh. Thad was in a state of shock, and he tried to run away, but obviously, he couldn't exactly run. Joe caught him, and then beat him into submission. <sighs> this is probably the worst story I think I've ever heard you cover so far, and we're six minutes in. It's, it's a rough one. Ugh. Joe took Thad to a downstairs couch to hang out. You just broke my fucking foot. Yep, exactly. He told him that he enjoyed the sound and feeling of bones breaking, and he said he'd done it before, and he told him about how much he loved it. Not cool, my dude. Mm -mm. Freaking weird. In the meantime, Thad was trying to think of a way to escape. He was telling Joe, I won't tell anyone what happened. If you just let me go, I'll say this was an accident. Mm -hmm. And Joe said, no one's going to believe that, so no, you're not going anywhere. For the next several hours and days, Joe would inflict all kinds of pain upon Thad. But the thing is, in between the torment sessions, Joe would act like they were just a couple of friends. He would carry him to the couch, and they would watch movies together, and Joe would talk about his life. Do you know how much pain this 13-year-old child had to be in with these broken bones? This is so bizarre to me. So he would hang out with Thad, but he would always end up hurting him again. If Thad tried to fight back, Joe would only do something worse. And it was almost like if Joe had an especially bad day, he would use Thad to take out his frustrations on. One time his car wouldn't start, so he came inside and twisted Thad's legs until they broke. Oh my god! Then broke his knees. His knees ended up facing the opposite direction. Mm. I'm so glad you're not recording this because I'm making the like worst the videos, faces. Yeah, it's this would be when I would just be like, please kill me. I could not handle this. No. I have no pain tolerance. And if I was just being alive to be tortured, I can't think of something worse than that. This is awful. And just knowing, ugh, well, it gets worse, unfortunately. Oh, well, then after he broke his legs and knees, he jumped on his chest. 
like with his body, like he was doing and he's a, exercises. And he's a teenager. He's also a teenager. Do you know how old? 17. So he's a much bigger than a 13-year-old. Yeah, he's not a big guy, but I mean, anyone jumping on your chest, that's a 90-pound kid. Oh, God. Then he tried to suffocate him with a pillow, but he would never do it long enough to kill him. This poor baby. I know, I know. He liked having someone to torture, and after he would break Thad's bones, he would wrap socks over his legs and put a pair of leg braces on him, and then try to make him walk. Even though he was in awful condition, he tried to escape three times when Joe was out of the house. Well, sure. Yeah. But he was basically in life-threatening condition. Mm Mm-hmm. Typically, he would end up losing consciousness while he was trying to escape. Probably passing out from pain. Yeah, so he was crawling around, and then he would pass out, and Joe would get home and find him on the floor, take him back. When Joe would leave the house, he would make sure that Thad was upstairs and in the bedroom closet. He figured that in his rough state, there was no way he could open the door, walk downstairs, and leave the house. But he underestimated Thad's will to live. Once, when Joe left, Thad threw himself down the stairs. And you gotta think, he has no, basically no leg function at this point. Maybe his hips, but that's about it. Threw himself down the stairs, crawled with just his arms, and managed to pull a phone off of the wall. He called the police, told them everything. And they immediately drove there and rescued him before Joe returned. (gasps) He was saved. Oh, my God. He was held captive for a total of 43 hours and was rushed to the hospital to receive life-saving treatment. So was he, like, leaving to go to school? To his girlfriend's house. This guy had a girlfriend. (sighs) Yeah. Four hours later, when Joe arrived home, he was arrested. Police also searched Joe's home, and in his bedroom they found a list in a journal of 29 other potential victims, and they were all local boys. He had them in different categories. Can wait, get to now, and another list called the leg thing. Oh my god! What a sicko. A 17-year-old, just like, how freaking dark is this? I have never heard of this story. Thad luckily survived, but he had to have multiple surgeries over the years to walk again. He still walks with a limp, but considering how many bones were broken. When he arrived at the hospital, doctors said he was hours away from passing away due to internal bleeding. Once he was in a better state, he was able to tell police about his conversations with Joe, and he said that in one of them, he admitted to killing another teenage boy, and he obviously planned on killing Thad, so he just said that he told him everything. He said the boy's name was Chris Steiner, and this was very surprising because they knew about Chris, and the pathologist who examined him found no sign of injury. So he didn't do this to to the Chris kid? They didn't think he did. His cause of death was ruled as a drowning, but they thought his case was odd. Mm -hmm. They thought maybe something could have been overlooked, and they were right. So in 1994, so just like a year before Thad was abducted, 14-year-old Christian Steiner 
who went by Chris, disappeared from his Baraboo home on July 4th. He's going into these people's homes. Yes. Yep. When police arrived, they saw signs of an abduction. Chris's bedroom window screen was sliced open, and muddy footprints were on the carpet, and a patio door was unlocked. His body was found six days later, draped over a partially submerged tree on the edge of a Wisconsin River sandbar. And even though authorities believed someone kidnapped him, there were no known suspects, no one was suspicious, and they were unable to solve the case. Mm -mm. Upon the initial discovery of the boy's body, medical examiners determined that the cause of death was drowning. But they missed something. X-rays were never taken. Why? I don't know. I don't that know. Just seems. I feel like they would. If you're doing an autopsy, then that would be part of it. Know if bones are broken, I would think. So after Joe was arrested, they exhumed Chris's body and found injuries on his ankles identical to Thad's. <gasps> so they were able to determine that his mangled legs had prevented him from swimming, which led to him drowning. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I hope autopsies are better right now. That's all I can say. Right? Joe claimed he didn't kill Chris, and his mother backed him up with an alibi. One thing I could not find in any of the court documents or reports about this case, period, I couldn't figure out where his parents were when he was doing all of this to Thad or to Chris, mm -hmm. because he did live with his parents. Yeah, and I don't feel like you could muffle those screams, you know, if, yeah. if you're, I mean, I don't know, maybe you could. Well, he was 17. Right. His parents could have been out of town. I mean, that's an age where you feel like you can usually leave your kids. Right. But it didn't mention much about his family life other than he was adopted. Mm -hmm. So his mom said that if he had left home on the night Chris was abducted, she would have known because he would have to pass her bedroom. But it was shown that she was a heavy sleeper and that he had been able to sneak by her before. It was also reported that his parents were drinkers and they would sleep hard because of this. So all in all, the jury did not think this was a good enough alibi. Mm -hmm. Just like, oh, I would have heard it. Well, right. you don't know that. Right. And a jury found him guilty of Chris's murder. He was charged with first degree homicide, mayhem and causing great bodily harm to a child. For Thad's abduction, he was charged with attempted first-degree intentional homicide, causing great bodily harm to a child, mayhem, causing mental harm to a child, and child enticement. So I guess instead of kidnapping, technically, it's enticement. Sure. He pleaded no contest and not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect. Joe was adopted, and the defense argued that his biological mom was a heavy drug user throughout her pregnancy with him, and that he suffered a head injury in a bike crash the year before. Regardless, he was found guilty and was sentenced to 100 years. In the trial for Chris, he received a life sentence with no parole for 60 years. To this day, he claims to have no recollection of abducting and torturing Thad. He says he didn't do it? He says he didn't do it. Well, he said he didn't do that to Chris, and as far as Thad goes, he has no recollection. He was found in your house. He can't recall taking him. Yeah. 
Well, he didn't walk there and knock on exactly, your door. Exactly. Regardless, he's in prison for a very, very long time. And surely the parole will be like, nah, by then. But when I post a picture, he's looks like a smallish teenage guy. Oh, so fucking That's creepy. That's the sick part. It's Mm-mm. just, This I don't is know. one of the worst cases that you've ever covered, in my opinion. I, I don't like torture stuff. I don't either. And it's, by all accounts, I get that his biological mom may have been a drug user, but it seems so bad what he's doing. that It's like, mm-hmm. what is wrong, <laughs> you know? Mm, and have, surprisingly, mm-hmm. there's not a ton of information about him online. Because I have so many questions. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Questions about his... His life with his adopted family. Does he really have a brother? Did he have? Yeah. If you look, he doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. It goes to another man. It's not him. It's very weird. I'm like, what's going on here? But yeah, I have a lot of questions that I, even the court reports, mm-hmm. the court documents. Just not list, a lot. Yeah, it's strange. You would think this case would have a lot. There are interviews and stuff on YouTube that you can find that are interesting. Interesting as in freaking terrible. And you can listen to the 911 call, which I only listened to a little bit of because I'm just, I knew, I knew too much. I'm like, I can't, I can't. But yeah, I bet you really need to break after that case. I do need a break. (laughs) All right. Well, your case was awful. It really was. I also have a survivor story that sucks, just Mm -hmm. like yours did. Yeah. So, Wind Lake, Wisconsin is a small town with a population of 5,342. Terry Jindusa met air traffic controller David Larson in 1996. He was romantic and charming but it wasn't long before Terry saw a whole different side of David. Not towards her, but the way he would treat other people. Mm. So she, like so many other women, thought he will never act that way towards me. He loves me. But sadly, just a few months after their wedding, his anger turned towards Terry. And Terry was afraid of him. According to her friends, her personality had begun to change. She was very timid and on edge. She tried her best to keep David happy and to keep his rage away, but it never failed. She'd fuck up somehow, according to him, and he was abusive. Yeah. Before David, she was a strong, independent woman. She had a career and friends, but this Terry was a completely different person. David made her keep the bedroom door open. He made her keep the bathroom doors open when she showered or when she used the toilet. Oh my gosh. He would freak out on her if the curtains were out of place. And he installed locks on the inside of all the doors. And he was the only one with a key. Before long, Terry found out she was pregnant with their first child. She thought that this would change him. Oh, gosh. You know, his temper yeah. would settle. He was about to become a dad, and he'd always wanted a family, but it didn't. No matter how hard she tried, she could not satisfy him. Terry had their second daughter, Holly, three years into their marriage. And when Holly was just two months old, Terry was holding her when David came in from work, enraged, 
and shoved her while she was holding the baby. (sighs) And that was it. After five years of marriage, she was done. She was 30 years old, had two little babies, and she would be damned if they grew up in a home where they saw their mother getting abused or worse, him turn his rage towards them. So Terry called a friend and went to a woman's shelter that night. A bitter custody battle ensued, and regardless of all the abuse he had subjected Terry to, David received joint custody. Oh my gosh. Because he may have been abusive towards Terry, but he'd never done anything to the girls. So, but they were still little. Yeah. Mm-mm. So the divorce is final, and David is still physically and verbally abusive towards Terry anytime she drops off or picks up the girls, to the point where they have to exchange their kids at, like, a gas station or a McDonald's anywhere right. in public. She eventually had to get a restraining order against him. Despite this, eventually they did begin exchanging the kids at his home, the -hmm. same home they had lived in while they were married. So it's two years after the divorce. She meets a man named Nick in choir practice at church, and she slowly begins trying to have a relationship with another man after, I mean, all that time, all the hell that she went through she was definitely gun shy yeah it'd be hard to trust someone again oh for sure but nick loved her so much and loved the girls they were married in 2001 and in january of 2004 they found out that terry was pregnant with their first child they are ecstatic and things are wonderful they have a great home life great marriage they have two precious little girls who are six and four And now they have a baby on the way. So the afternoon of January 31st, Terry left to go pick up the girls who were at their dad's for a visit. She gets there to pick them up and David tells her the girls are inside playing hide and seek and they want you to come inside and find them. So Terry goes inside. She calls out to the girls. David comes up behind her with a baseball bat. And strikes her multiple times in the head. She tries to crawl away, but he grabs her. He puts duct tape over her mouth, hands, and feet. Mm -mm. I cannot, as a mother, imagine the fear that she felt in that moment. I mean, not just as a mother, but as anyone. But you got to think, she doesn't know where her girls Mm -hmm. are and for her it's like what's next or what has he already done that's exactly what i was about to say what where are they where are they what if they walk in and see him doing this to me what has he already done to them Mm -hmm. it's uh, horrifying so he picks up terry's bloody body and stuffs her into a trash can oh my gosh she does manage to turn herself around so she's heads up Like the trash can's laying on its side and he shoves her in and she kind of, I mean, my ass is too big for that. I'm just saying not literally my ass, but my entire body, I would not be able to flip around. So that was, or even, or even think to do that. So 
maybe I just don't have survival skills. Well, which way did she flip exactly? Well, so when he put her in, she was like head down. And while it was still on its side, she... How did she do that? She did, girl. Because she knew if she went in feet first, like, what what she do? You know, she's trapped. Yeah. Ugh. So David then puts her in the back of his truck and begins to drive. Mm. She's thinking he's going to dump me somewhere, shoot me, throw me in the woods. It is Wisconsin in January. Holy crap. And he has removed her socks and shoes. So she is barefoot. Yes. And I'm assuming it's snowy. I mean, I don't know. It's absolutely freezing. So Terry manages to get the duct tape off of her mouth and remembers she has her cell phone in her coat pocket. So thank God this asshole didn't check her. Wow. So she manages to call 911. But she has been beaten in the head multiple times by a fucking baseball bat. So she's just barely hanging on. She's in and out of consciousness. All she can muster to the 911 operator is David's home address. And she hears the cops drive past them while she's in the back of the truck. So at this point, it has been three hours since Terry was supposed to be back with the girls. So her husband, Nick calls the police. He explains the situation to them, gives them David's address, and they recognize it immediately. That was a phone call they had just got from a woman who was clearly out of it. Oh my goodness. Next, Terry calls Nick, tells him what's going on. He's freaking out. He tells her he loves her. You know, she's like, David has me. I'm in a trash can in the back of his truck. I don't know where I'm at. He doesn't have any way to trace her. But he does, you know, tell the police what's going on. Mm -hmm. They hang up. Terry calls 911 again and gives them a description this time of the truck. And then she passes out. So the cops are going nuts. Like, they're looking for the girls, for Terry, Mm -hmm. any clue. They issue an Amber Alert for Terry and both little girls. Volunteers come out to help them search. When Terry comes to, she starts trying to get the attention of people driving by because she's in the back of the truck. So she has her hand out of the trash can, like waving it, trying to, which again, I would not have thought of this. David sees her, stops the truck immediately. Yeah. And is, mm. yes, gets out, goes back there, tells her if she does this again, he will shoot her. Suddenly, her phone rings. Someone calls her. He's pissed, snatches the phone away from her, and that's it. She thinks, he's definitely going to kill me now. Mm -hmm. So the cops make their way to David's house, and they see a large blood stain on the carpet, Terry's socks, and duct tape on the floor. Not good. (sighs) Terry has now been in the back of David's truck for four hours, and she is literally freezing to death. Suddenly, David stops. He pulls the trash can out. She hears a door open, like a garage door. She's Hmm. rolled in. She remains quiet, hoping that he thinks she is dead. And he leaves. He drives away. Terry has no idea where she's at. 
he has driven her into Illinois and put her in a storage unit. Oh, my God. He drove a long mm-hmm. way with her. That mm-hmm. That's crazy to me. I mean, mm-hmm. most people dump bodies fairly close because they're afraid of getting pulled over. If he was pulled over for anything. Hours to drop oh her off to us. Yeah. So please now know that David is an air traffic controller and where he works. Mm. They go to the airport. David is at work. He went to work after all this. Unbelievable. He acts surprised to see them. They ask him, where's Terry? Where's the girls? He says the girls are with his girlfriend that he hasn't seen Terry. She was supposed to pick him up. And when she didn't, he took the girls over there because he had to get to work. So they go over there. The girls are found safe and sound. They had no idea anything was going on. Thank God. Mm -hmm. So Terry has been in this trash can now with no socks, bleeding in sub-zero weather. For 16 hours. Oh, man. She is fighting for her life. David had piled up a bunch of shit on top of the trash can lid. So she was also slowly suffocating from carbon monoxide. Mm. It was four degrees and she is locked in the storage unit inside a trash can and no one knows where she is. Just left for dead like that. That is so heartless. So the police have David in custody and he's not talking. They push him. They tell him they found bloodstains and all the things at his house. And finally he says, she attacked me and I had to act in self-defense and the rest of it is a blur. So they start searching his pockets for anything he has on him. They found a business card from a storage facility in Illinois, which is weird Mm-hmm. But he's still not talking, so the cops call the storage facility, tell them to go to this unit and see if they hear anything or see anything. They do, and they hear Terry screaming. Oh my gosh. Storage unit calls 911. They send paramedics and police immediately. When they get there, open it up, get in the trash can. Terry's feet are completely black. From frostbite. I can't even imagine. Her core body temperature is 86 degrees. Holy crap. She had been in that storage unit for 21 hours. How is she still screaming? (sighs) Oh, man. They rescue her, rush her to the hospital. Sadly, they tell her there that she did lose the baby. Oh, man. I forgot that Mm -hmm. she was pregnant. She was pregnant. Oh, They said she had about an hour left before she had died herself. Wow. She lost all of her toes on both feet to frostbite and spent seven weeks in the hospital. She underwent 10 different operations and was in a wheelchair for several weeks after she left the hospital. But a few years after this horrific ordeal, Terry and Nick did welcome a son. Wow. In August of 2005, David Larson is sentenced to life in a maximum security prison. Terry became a public speaker where she talks to women about how to escape abusive relationships and is helping draft laws to protect women against domestic violence in the state of Wisconsin. When asked about her ordeal, Terry quotes Nancy Reagan, A woman is like a teabag. Only in hot water do you realize how strong you are. Wow. 
So she's she's a survivor. I Which, think, yeah, both of these killers really underestimated will to live. I like you know? to think I have a strong will to live, but I, I don't. I mean, I feel like everybody feels like they have that, but I don't know if my panic would set in. You know what I yeah, mean? And I, I would... hope I never have to figure out, but it's like in my case, I'm just thinking I would just want to die. Just stop. I, I mean, I, I had a kidney stone have another and I wanted... bone breaking. No. I just feel like, please no. just kill me. I don't know. I no. just. I tapped out on a kidney stone. I'm just saying. That's not a broken ankle. Man, and if he wasn't dumb enough to have a business card in his pocket with the store Jodo, not even the same. But I have to tell you what happened this weekend. So I took Max to Branson for spring break. Was it crazy? It was crazy. It was fucking freezing. It was a terribly cold spring break here. That's all. I like the amusement mm -mm. park wasn't even open because they couldn't run the rides. Are you serious? If it's under thirty six, something with like their hydraulic fluid freezes and they can't stop. I'm like. Okay, don't don't open then because we want to. I had stop. no idea. Yeah, well, we didn't either, but lessons learned. So Saturday morning, we, we run our asses all Friday doing all the things. So we're gonna sleep in Saturday. Saturday morning around eight, fire alarm goes off. I mean, it's like Bing! Please evacuate the building. You know this terrifying, right? In your hotel? Yeah, in the hotel. That and, would be scary if and I, we're, depending on what floor you're on. We're especially. on the fifth floor. Oh boy. So then I'm thinking, where's the fire? Mm-hmm. Is this just a drill? What's going on? So Max is panicked. What time is it? It's like 8 a.m., 745. Mm-hmm. We're dead asleep and it just, like a fucking siren is going yeah. off. So I'm like, it, clearly it's freezing. So I grab my coat, I slip my house shoes on, I'm grabbing my purse, you know, things like that. I grab Max's hoodie. I'm like, Max, you got to put your hoodie on and your shoes. Like it's 30 degrees outside. We've got to get all this before we, he bolts out the fucking door. I could not catch him. And there was a baseball tournament in, oh my so gosh. the hotel literally on the sign outside is like, welcome a million boys. or whatever. Yes. Okay. Wow. So there's just little boys. They all look the same. They're all in their Nike shorts and mm-hmm. hoodies and my kids in just a pair of shorts, no shoes. <laughs> He's like, I don't care. I don't want to die. I caught up to him on the third Holy crap. He had, and I am like running downstairs. And of course these people are probably like, look at this asshole. Cause I'm like barging through people yelling his name. You can't hear anything because it's like, bing, bing. Yeah. Please evacuate the bill. I mean, it's it's, loud. It's, it's yeah. (sighs) So I grab him and I literally snatched him by the arm and I was like, what are you doing? Why would you run like that? You cannot, you know, I'm trying to explain to him. I know he's scared, but I'm like, you cannot run away from your mom. You have to wait. I am your mom. Put your shoes on. It's 20 degrees. Put your hoodie on. I was Mm -hmm. like, and then again, I'm like, what are you thinking? Like, why would you do that? And he's like, mom, what's the first thing they tell you? You can't help somebody else if you don't help yourself first. Oh my God. I'm like, this wow. is not an airplane going down with wow. a face mask. Oh, my gosh. So I feel like Max's survival skills are way above par. He's like, yeah, I mean. He's out of there. 
It's like every man for himself. Exactly. You can figure it out, mom. You'll find me. Exactly. I'm not going to get burned up. Nope. He's like, you're a grown woman. You can figure it out. Oh my he God. was zooming like through the girl. You're like, he's going to get abducted or lost yes. or, oh Instantly, my God. I'm like, that's what's going through my head is someone oh, set this man. off on purpose to oh, abduct a child yeah. oh, in a panic. Oh my gosh. Ugh. And then who's going to know? Because everybody's outside. There's tons of people. People are Everyone's freaking out. Everyone's seeing a little boy. They're Everyone. everywhere. Yeah. 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 So I did find my kid, but they always, you can't help anybody if you don't help yourself first. That's not what this applies to. Not fire drills. Not escaping me. Was there a fire? I th- honestly, there wasn't. The fire department came. And of course, my mind, I'm like, ooh, firemen. No, <laughs> it's Branson, Missouri. All the firemen looked like the cast of King of the Hill. Really? It was not good. <laughs> oh. I was wanting it to be more like 911, <laughs> the show. I'm so sorry, Branson Fire so Department, sorry. if you're listening to this. Me too, but also. Maybe they were off that day. It was I, the B team. But also, in their defense, I would want a big, strong man to pick me up and rescue me. Mm-hmm. These were like Dan Connor from Roseanne. <laughs> No offense. I'm not any shade here. Oh. They were big, strapping Irish men. Okay. <laughs> yes. St. Patty's Day weekend. Exactly. Maybe that's why. Um, there was wet carpet on our on the third floor, and they had it when we could finally go back in. They had like a shop back, and they had the door open to this one room. So I almost mm-hmm. think. Probably some little boy or multiple children were goofing off and maybe set off the um the water alarm. What in the hell is that called? The sprinkler no system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in their room. Yeah. And that triggered the fire alarm. Yeah. Because they it was there was no fire. No. But I think because that room was the doors were open, carpet was soaked because I stepped in it in my house shoes. Hmm. Anyways. This is another tangent, but I set off my entire dorm's alarm in my my sophomore year of college and the fire department. It was bad. I just burnt. I think it was, it wasn't a Pop-Tart. It was in the microwave. Um, I had something in there just slightly too mm-hmm. long. It wasn't mm-hmm. popcorn. And it caught it on was, fire? It was just like burnt smell. Oh, okay. It wasn't even a fire. It was mm-hmm. burnt smell. It was freaking like 8 a.m., Oh, it was. No. Did you admit to it? No, no. I had to because oh. they knew where it was coming from. Oh. It was humiliating. It was. I mean, it was a very embarrassing. It was very embarrassing for me. Well, we cannot even have microwave popcorn at yeah the hospital that I work in. Some are very sensitive because that had happened so many times. Where it would get burnt mm-hmm. and it would set off the alarm and the fire department automatically comes out and they fine you. If they come out and it's like a false alarm like that, they fine you. Oh my like, God. Well, I mean, probably not your home, but yeah, like the hospital. Yeah, yeah. They that were getting sense. fined and so they were like, no more microwave popcorn, period. So why are we talking about fire stuff? <laughs> Oh, I, I don't know. We we have a new patron. Let's oh, talk good. about that. We have Jessica S. from Ohio. Very cool. Thanks, Jessica. Thank you, Jessica. I'll have to add your pin in. And also, our patron, Crystal P., 
mm-hmm. we talked about last week is from Kansas. Oh, very cool. And I don't... Did, did you put the pins in? No? I didn't. Do we have any pins in Kansas? I can't see from here. I don't think so. Uh, no. No, you're our first... <gasps> Yay. Yay! Crystal, you're our first Kansas patron. Jessica, you're a much-welcomed Buckeye patron. Very cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Anything new with you? My cough is much better. (gasps) Turns out I was coughing because of GERD. You mean the doctor that went to school was correct? Yes. (laughs) The little (laughs) child, just kidding, the doctor. He was quite young. He was a little Doogie Howser. I was like, what a nerd. But I was. You married one of those. He's a nerd. I was thinking, I'm like, patients are probably seeing him and thinking, what a nerd. 100% if Sam walked in and it was my doctor, I'd be like, could you go get your dad? What a nerd. Is your dad going to do my procedure? Oh, no. But it turns out I just have to be on heavy duty GERD medications. Just, it's nothing major. It's. Nexium, I just have to double my dose and I have to be on famotidine twice a day. Well, now that they tell you to stop drinking Diet Coke, did they tell you anything about drinking soda and drinking out of straws and all that? They didn't say about, no, they didn't say soda. Well, here's the thing. Caffeine, chocolate, mm-hmm. alcohol, mm-hmm. freaking everything is bad for heartburn. Mm-hmm. And they gave me this list of things I should cut out of my diet, not this time, but one time when I went, because I've had GERD for a while, but the cough I've never had. Mm-hmm. They gave me this laundry list, mint. Oh, I, I hate love mint. mint. Ew, I hate mint. And no. so I looked at the the list, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Do you know what I discovered today that I like that I never knew I liked? Cranberries. Oh yeah, like dried cranberries. Oh, I love them in salads. Well, they had them on our salad bar at work oh, today, and I, I was love like, them in I salads. mean, I have some right now. I'll Little sprinkle raisins. a few of these on there. They're good. They were so good. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all these years, 42 years, I could have been eating cran cran raisins or whatever that's the fuck good you just for said. Your peeing or whatever urinary <sighs> tract. Well, that may have prevented Sharon. <sighs> yeah, but so I take. Yeah, I'm just I'm up in my meds, but you know what? It's I'm not coughing all night. I finally don't sound hoarse. You do sound different. Yeah, I'm I'm not completely better. He told me it could take three weeks for my throat Mm -hmm. to totally heal up. Girl. I know, I know. But yeah, it's good news. I have a wart, but my cough is gone. You win some, you lose some, whatever. (laughs) You know, what's new with you? Uh nothing. I mean I uh Took Max to Branson. Mm-hmm. That was a shit show. No, it was super fun. It's just spring break and it's crazy busy. And cold. That doesn't help. It was freezing. Um, no one can drive up there. <laughs> Everybody acts like they're in that movie Rat Race. That's with, what I think about Little Rock. It's it's insane. Well, and then you're just stop and go. It's like, why are you in that big of a hurry to get to the fucking go-kart? You passed 35 of them on the way. <laughs> like, I don't know. What, what is happening up here? You can... Go kart on every corner in Branson. I mean, it was insane. It's insane. There was a, a, a Trump store up there that was interesting, like whole store, huh? Dedicated to Trump. Trump, a store, the former president. Yes, it's like T-shirt souvenirs, old Tommy photos, go kart track. Oh. <laughs> 
old timey. Wait, hold on. You know, like the old timey photos. It's like it was like in a strip mall. Okay, I thought it was you took old timey photos there. No, no. It's like Uh these are all these different stores, and then bam, there's a Trump store, a President Trump, former President Trump store. I'm like, what the heck? That's a bit much, but it was a lot. It was a lot. So we had fun. We ate all the trash. And rode the go-karts. We did go to this place, and I'm going to plug it. This is not an okay, ad. great. Called Retromania. Like the name. Is it a thrift store? It is not. It is all 80s. It is a museum. Oh. And you. And it also has like a little restaurant attached to it. So you walk in, you pay your pay, and all the arcade games are free. Oh, nice. So they have like Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, uh, The Simpsons, Tetris. Like, I love that. I would love that place. Super cool. There are three escape rooms that are all 80s themed. There's like Indiana Jones, Alien, Ooh. another one I can't remember the name of, like Terminator or something. So upstairs, fun. there are all these games and toys lining the stairwell. You go upstairs and there is a semi movie theater there's just like movie theater chairs big screen like tv not tv but mm-hmm. what am i thinking it looks like a movie theater like the screen screen, screen yeah and they show 80s movies so we went friday and saturday because it was so fun it's fun first day they were showing goonies and i can't remember what they were showing the second day maybe fast times at ridgemont high but the whole front row is like life size gremlins oh my god and it's hysterical and of i course, love that there's like all these wax figures all over how fun with all the alien people and what's the uh christmas vacation beetlejuice superman did you take pictures i did take pictures i didn't see any there on your instagram i'll, I'll send them to you that sounds um, interesting very cool i want to go there is also my favorite part of this whole fucking place, there is an indoor haunted house <gasps> that is what? 80s slasher themed. Freddy, Jason, the what's his name from Hellraiser, Pinhead, mm-hmm. all of them, Life all the size? slashers. It's a haunted house. Oh my god! That you walk through multiple rooms, and it's all 80s horror movie themed. That's really cool. It's really cool. Also. 80s Gods of Rock indoor putt-putt. Oh, my gosh. It was so freaking fun. That sounds That does sound like a good time. So then, like, downstairs in the restaurant, it's all, like, 80s-themed food, and it looks like you're in the Max from Saved by the Bell. <sighs> Full bar. I had me a cocktail, a Purple Rain. I was about to ask, what kind did you have? 80s music playing, 80s music videos on the TVs. There's TVs all over the place. It's, like, the coolest place in Branson. Keep your Ripley's Believe It or Not. And your go-karts and your dolly stampede. <laughs> this place was awesome. I got to hang out with slasher film mm. characters and drink. That sounds fun. I want to go there it's now. It's super cool. You sold me on Branson. It's really, well, it's ish. Ish. Kind of, yeah. yeah I mean, it was cool. It is a drive. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then I hit Goodwill on my way home. I put it in my GPS and hit one of I them on the way. I love that. I love that. How about a Santa Claus and... A pair of shoes. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's still at Goodwill unless you just get out of get there with random. random shit. Yeah, true. <laughs> true. So where are we next week? 
do we know where we are next week? Um, are we going to go for Tennessee or we're yeah. not sure completely? I mean, we'll let's do Tennessee. Possibly Tennessee. Possibly Tennessee. Yep. yep. Anything else? Nope. nope. We're nope. good. Patrons, if you are still listening. No, I'm just kidding. If you're still Patrons, listening. Patrons, <laughs> you're going to have a new episode this week. So stay tuned on that. And we want to plug the True Crime Fest in Northwest Arkansas. It's going to be in Rogers. You can get tickets at allthelostgirls.org. It's on Saturday, May 20th. Come see us. Come hang out. We're also going to do trivia Thursday, the Thursday prior to that. We'll give you all the deets. We want to come. We want to hang out with y'all. And yeah, that's it. That was a good plug, Lacey. Sure. Good. Bye. Bye.